Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and the flood, faithful forever, perfect in love, sovereign over us. Now, we used to sing something kind of like that back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Maybe not quite with the gravitas that that song has, but uh, a similar similar message. And we would sing it. in, in, in a group, you know, if we had a, if we had like a small group or something, or even a medium sized group, we'd get in a circle. And it was also great for, for remembering people's names. Uh, and, uh, and, and it would go something like this, uh, Mike, Jesus loves you. Paula, Jesus cares. Marsha, God's got a plan for your life. And you know, he'll always be there. We were kind of loosey goosey in the, uh, <laughs> In those days, but the but the idea of the th- the thing was there. God's got a plan for you. Got a plan for your life. A lot of people's favorite verse or life verse even uh, is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper. And uh, what they often don't really uh, take into consideration is the context of that verse, because that verse was given to the Israelites when they were in Babylonian captivity at the time. And, ba- and so they were someplace they didn't want to be, and they were trying to get out of it. And God was going, whoa, I got, I got this. I got a plan for, for you, and it's to prosper. So just, just hang in there, work for the good of those where you are, and you'll see, you'll see my plan come about. God does have a plan. Last, well, last week we talked about God's universal plan, but he's got a personal plan for you as well. And would you stand with me and let's read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 through 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the plan that you have for our lives. I thank you for the the promised Holy Spirit. I pray that you would fill this place with your presence, that you would quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, quicken our eyes to see those things that are invisible. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, so God has a plan. He's got a personal plan for you. And the reason that you know it's a personal plan is because you were chosen. He, he chose you. He, he actually did. He really did. And it, it's not like, oh, we are the chosen people. Well, we are the chosen people, but you were chosen to be one of those, to be one of those people. We touched on this a bit last week, but I want to go a little bit deeper today because when, you, when words like chosen and predestined and things like that come out, uh, the question 
several questions arise. One question that arises is, do we have a choice? Uh, and, you know, there are those who would say that we don't, but I believe we do, because without a choice, you cannot be free. It, it, slaves are the ones who have no choice in, in what they do or in, in, in where they go or what can be done. Uh, without a choice, there's no freedom. It, it's why the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, was in Eden, is because we had to have a choice. There had, had to be choice there. To, to have no choice at all is to be, is to be manipulated. And, and that's not how God works. You never see Jesus manipulating in his ministry. Ne- never see him doing that. You know, it, it's, it's always the choice of those who he's, who, who he's ministering to, to follow him or not follow him. Jesus, Jesus never makes it, you've got to follow me. He, he never went to anybody and, he, and, and said, Adam, quit your job and follow me. You know, that's not how Jesus rolled. Jesus went, hey, follow me. I'm, I'm available if, you, if you'd like to do it, if you'd like to come. Um, when I was, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> there, are, there are many ministries today that, that uh, don't follow that pattern uh, of Jesus not manipulating anymore. And it's not just today. I think, it, I think we broke that pattern pretty, pretty early on in the process, but... We probably know more about it today. It's, uh, you know, so much information and stuff like that. The information age. Uh, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a good church. It was a good church. My dad was a pastor. And so it's a good church. And so uh, I grew up with my dad as a pastor. And my mother taught me in the fourth grade and I had no chance whatsoever. Uh, it was a good church, but, but the, the, the mode of the church at the end of the service, and it wasn't just that church, it was the camp we were in, if you will. At the end of the service, there would be an altar call. And this altar call, this, this was why you came. This was what it was all about. And all, sometimes the altar call would be as long or longer than the sermon was. And the situ- here, was here was the proposition. If you people want to go home, if you would like to eat something today, someone is getting saved this morning, and we're going to see it. And if you've been saved before, but maybe you didn't have a very good week, you may be the one who needs to be saved. And even if you had a pretty good week, if you want to go home. I mean, it would just go on and on and on until something was going to happen. I have a friend who, uh, uh, I've known him really since childhood, but he actually spent uh, all the years growing up on a mission field, but we've, we've come back in contact a few times. And several years ago, uh, we, we were talking at, a, I guess it was a conference convention, something where we met. And he's an evangelist, and he's, and he's good. He's, he's a good evangelist. He's got a good heart. I really, really like the guy. But he said to me, he said, you know, uh, the, as an evangelist, I think one of the strongest tools God's given to me is that I can cry on the, on, at, any, at any moment, drop of a hat. And I went, ooh, <laughs> do you know how disturbing it is to see a grown man cry? It is. I mean, there are more disturbing things in the world, but not many. You know, and when 
And, and when Danny, I, I could just see it now, you know, when those tears start, man, the altar is going to be full. That, that's, that's, that's just how that worked for me. You know what? I don't, I'm not dissing him because that's what God put in him. And there, there are people who responded, I can't do that. I mean, I can, I can do the cry thing because, I mean, I can actually make you, you know, when you're on stage uh, as an actor, it's really better not to cry. People will be more moved if you don't actually do real tears and you just... If you're, if you're really good, I could do that. I, I could fake that, but that's what it would be is faking it. And it would be manipulating and trying to get people to do something for the wrong reasons, quite frankly. You never see Jesus do that. Now, for Danny, I'm not saying it's the wrong reasons because, like I said, it's what God has put in him. And, and I know what his heart is. But you never see Jesus manipulating. And if Jesus didn't do it, that means the Father doesn't do it either. Jesus said over in John chapter 5, the son only does what he sees the father do. The son only says what he hears the father say. And over in John chapter 14, Jesus said to, uh, to Philip, he said, anybody who's seen me has seen the father. So God does not manipulate us. So if he doesn't manipulate us, have we been chosen? Have we been predestined? Yes, we have. Absolutely. The Bible, uh, the Bible emphasizes it several times. Last week, uh, the passage we were in said, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. And then this week, we, we read it. That, that word just keeps popping up. In Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of, of his will. And Romans uh, 8.29 says, For those God foredoe, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And it's not just a New Testament concept. Over in, over in uh, Exodus, when uh, God revealed himself to, uh, to, to Moses. God, Moses said, you know, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And God said, okay, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion because I'm the Lord and I do whatever I want to do. And he is, and he does quite frankly. And so we're free, we have free will, but we're also chosen, and we're also predestined. And so the question then comes up, how? You know, how can we have free will and be predestined at the same time? I don't know. And neither does anybody else on this planet, in, in, this, in this realm, in this world. But that doesn't really disturb me because I like both of those things. I'll go for that in a minute. And it also doesn't disturb me because there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Answer this question. How much is that? How, how many is that? It's not a trick question. 212. Wow. You're, you're sharp. I think this side may be a little sharper than this side. But yeah. Okay. 212. Uh, now, converting it over to base 10, how much is that in base 7? I mean, if, you, if you're in base 7 
and you're looking at that number, what would it be in base 10? No. <laughs> It'd be 107. You didn't know that? What about base 3? It would be 23. You know, we had one person in the early service who knew that. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> no, actually, I mean, you kind of go, well, somebody, somebody knows that. That's something you can explain. Uh, and, and that has nothing to do with me. Well, the truth of the matter is it really does have nothing to do with you, quite frankly. But you converse with something that only understands base two every day. Binary code. You, your, your computer, if you put uh, 212 and tried to speak to your computer with that, it, its head would explode because 2 doesn't exist in binary code. See? So your computer is dumber than you are. <laughs> Truly is. And, and you can imagine how somebody... You know, how if all you knew was zero and one, zero, one, zero, one, and then you saw two, you can imagine how you go, what is that? Well, now let me just put it this way. The greatest mathematician in the world doesn't know what two, one, two is in base infinity or in base eternity. So there are things out there. So the fact that I am predestined and the fact that I have free will you know, I, I just don't, I don't want to spend, I like both of those things. I don't want to spend my time, my, my, my doctrinal time trying to figure out how to explain that one of them isn't true. Thank you very much. <laughs> because I like being free. And I am. I, I mean, I, I really am. You can probably tell. If you came last week, you know, I had my Giants t-shirt on. And I may wear it next week. Because I'm free, and, and, and I can do that, you know. Uh, would y'all still like me if I did that? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, just, but not that I care, because <clears throat> I'm free. Uh, but I also love being chosen. I also, I also love the fact that I know that, that he selected me. Second Timothy 2.13 is one of the most perplexing, frustrating, and comforting passages in all of Scripture. It says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I'm not, I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to make that work. I, I, I know it's not telling me that it's okay to be faithless. I know it's not telling me that it's okay to just sin and, and stuff, but I also kind of feel like it's telling me that it's not up to me and that he has me. He chose me. He selected me before the foundation of the world. And I am so glad. It's one of the reasons that I'm free. It's because I don't know how I can mess that up. Because he is faithful. And he who began a good work in me is going to complete. So you've been chosen. Well, what have you been chosen for? We understand the blessings of freedom. But, but, but what are the blessings of being chosen? Uh, and we also understand how the world blesses with chosen. At least if you have a mailbox and you check it occasionally. 
Oh, wow. No, that was something I was going to tell you. Well, don't worry about it. Uh, you, you can watch the, uh, you can watch the, yeah, if you, uh, you go to your mailbox and you found out, congratulations, you have, you have won something. Con- and, and probably what you've won is the chance to win something. You have been chosen to have a chance to win, to go on to the next level, to go on to the next level. And all you have to do is, uh, Reveal all of your personal information and everything that's ever happened in your life uh, to, f- to get to the final level and find out that you've got a one in five million chance of winning something. That's the way the world rolls in, in choosing and in, and in, and in selecting. You, you've won a, a big prize with a gotcha or you've won the chance to win the big prize or even better yet, you have been pre-selected for a loan. Or to apply for a credit card. That's not the kind of thing God has chosen us for. Uh, three things that are, that are in this passage. We have been chosen to be adopted. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adoption is a wonderful thing. A biological family is a wonderful thing. Adoption's a wonderful thing as well. Um, Wayne, probably my favorite Wayne Berry song uh, that, that he's ever written uh, was before he came to Christ. So that was the grace of God flowing in it. But uh, it's called When I Was Younger. And verse 2 uh, simply goes, uh, When I was restless to be out on my own, I gave up my family to live all alone. And now that I'm older, I think I can see how much my family and my home meant to me. It takes us a while sometimes. I think probably it really began to come home to me at about 50, quite frankly. I really began to appreciate what it was I I had, what had been sacrificed for me, what what had been given to me, the, the, the hopes and expectations that were represented in me. A biological family is a great thing, but an adopted family is, Superman was adopted. (laughs) Spider-Man was adopted, you know. Uh, If you count uh, his butler, I guess, Batman was adopted. I mean, to be a superhero, you've got to be adopted. You've got to be selected. You've got to be chosen. And God has done that. He has has done that. And when we're adopted into a family, when we're we're selected and brought into a a family in that way, we've also been chosen not just for uh, adoption, but we've been chosen to receive an inheritance. 1 Peter 1.4 says, An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. You know, an inheritance is a wonderful thing, but anything that anybody can give to you materially is going to perish, spoil, or fade. You cannot keep it. You cannot. I, um, uh, Peter goes on in this to talk about through these, these promises, through this inheritance, we're able to escape the inevitable corruption that is in the world. 
uh, and he's not talking about, you know, political corruption or, or you know, crooked judges or, or things like that. He means everything in the world is rotting. Everything in the world is passing away. But we've been chosen to be, a part, to be adopted into a family where we get an inheritance that can never pass away. It can never, can never spoil or fade away. Uh, and Romans 8, 17 says this, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I have a, uh, a friend named Harry Raleigh, um, and some of you have heard me share this before, but it's been a decade or two, so maybe I can bring it up again. And, uh, and Harry uh, uh, lived in, he was from Cincinnati, family of 10, uh, 10 children. And, uh, but he came to Nashville and we became good friends with his and, and he came to know the Lord and he moved back to Cincinnati and began to, to witness to his family. And, uh, and his youngest brother came to accept the Lord. And I don't know how old his brother was. And I, I really can't even remember his, his brother's name at this point. But, uh, I, anyway, he, I know he was an adult, came to accept the Lord and he started reading the Bible and he came to Harry one day. And, uh, and he said, Harry, do you know what the Bible says? And Harry said, well, I, you know, I know some of it. Uh, he said, I just read that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And, and um, you know, Harry went, yeah, yeah, I, I believe I've heard that before. And his brother goes, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You know, and Harry began to kind of begin to catch, oh, 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 you're excited about this. <laughs> you know, we, we, we uh, read that verse, we know that verse, we know that concept so much, and it just kind of becomes, you know, mm, to us. But people, we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That means our, our name is on the same line in the same paragraph as Jesus Christ when it comes to what we get. Okay. <laughs> you don't, I mean, seriously. And, and what do we get? Well, uh, over, in, over in, in, in Romans uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 32, it says, God didn't spare his own son, gave him up for us. So how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Everything. Eternal life. And you've heard me say this before, but it just, it's such a magnificent thing to me. It's, eternal life is not eternal existence. Yes, we exist forever, but duh, who wants to do that? No, it's the quality of life that God has. And his presence is a fullness of joy. God is never bored. In his right hand are blessings forevermore. And another word for blessings is, is happy, happiness. You know, and we, we tend to kind of poo-poo that because it's happy, you know. But the truth of the matter is, I have never been happy and gone, gee, I wish I wasn't. I would rather be something other than this. No, in, in, in his right hand are blessings forevermore. That, that creativity, that, 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 that love, that sense of community within the Trinity, all of that, that, I mean, whew, 
co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You, you know, have you, ever, have you ever been around a really good family and you just weren't part of it? I mean, they loved each other and had good food and just, yeah, this is great all the time. And no matter, I mean, you could, you could kind of look at them, kind of watch them or something, but, you know, you, you just weren't part of it. Ain't no family like the Trinity. I mean, ain't no inner circle like that. And we're co-heirs with one of them. That's, that's, what, that's what we've been chosen for. That's what we've been selected for. That's our inheritance. And that was always God's plan, God's way. The thing that, uh, that the tempter tempted Eve with in the garden was what God had already given them. Uh, you know, you'll be like God. Well, they'd already been created in God's image. And there's nothing that the world has to offer us that God hasn't already given us better than what they're trying to offer. And you've also been chosen for transformation. You've been chosen to be, to be like Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And then over in uh, Romans 8, 29, we read this earlier. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. First John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. We're children of God. We've been selected. We're, we're in the kingdom now, but it doesn't appear yet what we shall be. But we know this, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as, as he is. We, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. We're not being transformed into the image of a pilgrim. We're not being transformed into the image of, 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 of a happy 1950s family. We're not being transformed into the image of Western civilization. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. You know, oftentimes this is what we shoot for. But that's not where we're going. Yeah. It has nothing, every, all cultures, all races, all ethnicities can look like Christ because it isn't about what he looks like. It's about the heart. You know, over in, over in Revelation, well, we, we understand that around the throne are people from all tribes and languages and, and nations standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the, and to the Lamb. Now, who would go around crying out, salvation belongs to our God, unless it's somebody who's saved? From every language and tribe and nation under heaven. All of those things. So what is it that Jesus looks like? You know, if we, if, we, if we spent time really trying to be like what Jesus looks like rather than those images that we have, that we've created, Jesus loved. Jesus was approachable. He was somebody that people felt like, yeah, I, I, I want to I hang out with that guy. I want to talk to that person. I want to be close to where he is. Jesus was humble. He was sacrificial. 
He was generous. He was beautiful, even though, even though his beauty wasn't outward physical beauty. It's what Isaiah tells us. There's nothing in his, in his countenance to attract us to him. It all came from here. It, it all came from the inside. And that's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to move in that direction. Jesus, because we were chosen to be like that. To the praise of his glory. Jesus did not choose us to convince the world that they're guilty of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's what Jesus says. Now, if you're the Holy Spirit, have at it. But if you're not, that's not your job. Your job is to reflect his glory, is to reflect who he was, reveal him to the world. Everybody wants somebody to love them. That's why Jesus was so attractive. He did love. One last phrase I wanted to touch on here. In him, we read this earlier, but there's a parenthetical uh, uh, portion of this scripture. Let's read it without the parenthesis. In him, we were also chosen in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. That's what you've been called to do. It's to be for the praise of his glory. Might be that people would look at your life and not, and not necessarily go, man, I can't be that. Or, you know, boy, they sure don't want me. But people would look at your life and go, glory to God. Praise his wonderful name. That, that's, that's what it is. One last thing here. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You, you, you can't do any of this by yourself, but you're not called to because we've been given the promised Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to the praise of his glory, by the way. If you belong to Christ, you have the spirit. Um, Romans 8 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, the fullness of the, of the Spirit, also known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, over in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, all of those things are available. But if you, if you have accepted Christ, at the very least, the Holy Spirit is present in your life. If it, he has to be for you to belong to him. And the Holy Spirit is that seal guaranteeing your inheritance. When I came to Christ, my life was a mess. You know what? You don't have to be an addict or homeless or uh, to be a mess. You really don't. Um, greed will make you a mess. I mean, some of the biggest messes on the planet live in the biggest houses. Insecurity make you a mess. Fear, fear will make you mess. You know, I'd, I'd, I would rather, I'd rather live my life in poverty and, be, uh, uh, and, and have no fear than have a lot of stuff and be afraid all the time. So well, people with a lot of stuff aren't afraid. Yes, they are. That's why they buy big guns. That's why they put fences up and things like that. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you don't, so there are a lot of ways to be a mess. My life was a mess. And uh, the truth of, Rome, of 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they become a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. Man, that thing, that thing was proved in my life. It just, I remember about it, and I remember when I came across this verse about being marked with the Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I actually came across that verse about a year later after I came to the Lord, and it just went, it just exploded in my face because I looked back over that year and went, whoa. Where I was last year and who I am now, there's no way I could do that. He's really there. I really am marked. This really is the, this is the deposit. This is, this is God's guarantee that all of this other stuff is going to happen as well. All of these other things will, will happen. The Holy Spirit comes and we are changed. And the change is proof. And it's not proof so much for the benefit of the world. Because if that's whose benefit it's for, then I'll try to make it happen. I'll try to, I'll try to make you think by how I look and how I now talk and everything that I'm a really different person so that the world can go, oh, they're a really different person. No, the change was real because it wasn't for you. It was for me. And I knew. I knew that it had changed. I knew it had happened. And when you know, when you know Christ, that happens. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives because you were chosen. You have an inheritance. You have eternal life promised from our Father. When I was, um, I, I mentioned earlier, you can go ahead and stand with me. I mentioned earlier that I, uh, uh, you know, grew up in a situation where we do these long altar calls and, you know, you better come. And, and that, was, that was it. And I felt manipulated. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that that was intentional, but that's how I felt. And when I, when I first came to this church and started pastoring for a couple, couple of years, uh, I wouldn't even do an altar call because I was just so overreacting to what, where I'd been. Uh, but I was wrong to not do that because I feel like when we come together, there's several things we need. We need, we need to come to the table together. We, we need to have a time of... of participation in the act of worship, whether that be singing a song or saying a prayer or bringing an offering. We, we, we do need to bring an offering. We need, we need to have that time of generosity. We need to hear the word of God. We also need to have a time when we can get with somebody and pray about what the need is in our lives. Uh, and so whatever it is, with those who are going to pray with people, if you'll come forward, you may need to, to know Jesus. He's here. And the fact that you need to know him is part of the reason why he brought you. Why the Holy Spirit inspired you to come today. You may, a lot of people sick. Hey, we believe in healing. Do we believe in healing, Mike Gibson? Oh, yeah. And there are several, several many who could testify. We believe in healing. Well, ask him. You know, you can take all the pills you want to, and that's fine. I, I take pills occasionally, but... Why not ask God to heal you? 
as well. Um, whatever need you have, that's this time. No pressure. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, come. You don't need to come worship with us for a moment. Oh, we wait on those who do.